Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Well, thank you to Dave for the lovely announcement. My name is Jen Spickelmeyer, and I am the pastor at Osseo United Methodist Church. And on Tuesday night, I had a run-in with black ice in the parking lot at church. Fractured humerus, which is not humerus. That's a bad word for a bone when you break it. And so no surgery is necessary, but... Driving is a little questionable. I had to do mascara with the left hand this morning, and Katie said I did okay. So if I didn't, just don't tell me. Okay, we're just, we're just going to go with this. Well, let me read these words from the book of Ruth this morning. This is Ruth 10, excuse me, Ruth 2, verses 10 through 12. Then she, Ruth, bowed down, face to the ground, and replied to him, Boaz, how is it that I have found favor in your eyes, that you notice me? I'm an immigrant. Boaz responded to her, everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me, how you left behind your father, your mother, and the land of your birth, and came to a people you had not known beforehand. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. So your pastor, Jason, he's one of my favorites. I could sit and talk to him forever and ever. I have sat under his teaching. We were on staff together at the well the United Methodist Church in Rosemont. And when he came here last May, I was so excited for him. And then when I came to Osseo last July and was appointed there, we started, well, I started kind of conniving. How could we work on something together? And this series on Ruth kind of came to be. I've appreciated his work with the Searching the Sacred podcast, and when they started delving into the book of Ruth last fall, I said, this is it. Let's talk about this. Let's get together, and maybe let's do this pulpit swap, because I really value multiple voices in my life, and since Jason and I are at different ages, 
different life stages. His kids are smaller. Katie's my youngest. I also have a college student in our family. He's obviously a man, and I'm a woman. And I think our differences help strengthen us as people, and so we can be a different voice to each of our congregations. So this was kind of a win-win for me to be able to interact with my friend, talk a little bit about what we're learning, about what God's up to in the world, and then share with one another's congregations. So today, I want you to think a little bit about how do you respond when you rub shoulders or you come across somebody who is different than you are. And those differences can be your gender, your sexual orientation. It could be the origin of language that you speak. It could be your professions. It could be where you come from in the world. How do you respond when you come up against someone or interact with someone who's different? Well, it's easy to just say, oh, I don't need to pay attention to that. I'm just going to say, hi, I'm going to go about my day. But I think our passage in Ruth gives us something to do that's a little different. So I grew up in northern Illinois in a suburban community called Rockford. And our little community was on the edge of town that was developing. So Lots of families were buying homes with lots of land, so you had a lawn, you could do all of these things too. For a while, my parents had a hill of dirt in the backyard because they hadn't quite figured out what they were going to do with the yard. But everyone in my neighborhood looked the same, mostly Scandinavian, still pale-skinned, lots of blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, and my church was real similar. There was not a lot of cultural diversity or even economic diversity in our church context. So I didn't have much experience with people who were different than me. Now in my elementary school, there came a point where kids came on a bus from a different side of town, from a different social economic point. A lot of them were black, and I had my first exposure to people who physically looked different than I did. And in high school, my church offered us a couple of opportunities to go out and experience the world and serve Jesus in the hills and hollers of Appalachia, Kentucky. I met people who did not have a telephone. I will tell you, I just about fell over. I had no idea you could live without a telephone. And there were these children who wore clothes that I would never have felt comfortable wearing because they were ratty because they didn't have a lot of money. And I was hit with poverty in a way that I never expected. But the people were lovely. The missionaries and the pastors we worked with just loved these kids. And these kids really loved spending time with anybody, especially these students from up north in Illinois. That same summer, I had an opportunity to travel to Hong Kong and stay with some family friends. And for a month, I ran around with my friend Natalie and her friends who were from all over the place, from Illinois, from Pennsylvania, from the UK, from Hong Kong, from China, from Canada. And it was really cool to be with a bunch of students who were so different 
yet were connected in their love of God and love of being together. So fast forward a number of years. I've had some of these experiences. I decided to go to college in Minnesota, uh, fell in love with a boy from South Dakota, so we stuck with this Midwestern roots. And after living here in the Twin Cities for a number of years, God moved us to Portland, Oregon. And we were part of a church community there, Village, which was an intentional multicultural community in Christ. So we had services in Spanish, services in English, services in Mandarin, services in Korean. And very slowly, I began to be exposed to the different types of spirituality that these different cultural groups had. I still remember the first Sunday we were getting ready to send a missionary off on a trip, and we all got kind of around the person. Everybody stretched out their hands, and the pastor said, we're going to all pray together. Now, all praying together in my life up to that point was everybody bowing their head and the pastor up front praying together. Oh, no, 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 this is not what we did. Praying together meant everybody stood and prayed out loud. Whatever was going on in your heart, whatever God was talking to you about, you were saying out loud. And the person next to you heard you. And the person across the way could hear you. And it became this beautiful expression of the body of Christ, hearing everybody speak in multiple languages. It was beautiful. And slowly, as I got to know people in that church community, I was drawn in and I could value and see how they experienced spirituality. My friends in our Korean population understood prayer in a way that I still am just struck with. They'd gather together every morning at 5.30 to pray together for one another. And that dedication and that understanding of how the Holy Spirit is always at work and is always engaged was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But those differences, they make me a little judgy on the front side. Like it didn't make a lot of sense, some of the things that they were doing. But as I developed relationships and worked on being curious and thinking about what I could learn from another person who was made in the image of God, I found that there was richness in who these different people were in my life. But I'd like to say it's not just people in a church context that we can learn from. And this book of Ruth is the perfect example of how people can learn from one another. You see, Ruth was an immigrant. She was married into a family that were of the people of God. So I know Jason kind of did an overview on the book of Ruth last week, but I want to just give you a brief recap. So the story starts out with a family, Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and two sons. They live in the town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And so supposedly when the people of God are doing what they're supposed to do, there is this house of bread. But famine strikes for whatever reason. And Elimelech takes his family to Moab, which is about 50 miles away, a pretty rugged terrain to get there. Would have taken maybe seven to 10 days of walking. He takes his family there because 
He thinks it's going to be a better life for them. But he dies, and his wife Naomi is left with these two sons. So she finds Moabite women for them to marry. And then the sons die. And so Naomi is left with these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. Eventually, after being in Moab about 10 years, she gets wind that the blessing of the Lord has come back to Bethlehem and that there's bread, that there's food again. And so she decides it's time for her to return home. So she begins to make her way, but her daughter-in-laws come with her. And she stops and says, you know what? It's going to be really hard for you back in Bethlehem. You're Moabites. You're going to be looked down upon. It's going to be hard for me because I'm a widow and I don't have a man to help me navigate what needs to be navigated. So she basically pleads with them to stay. But she gives them agency that they can make their own choice. And so Orpah decides to stay, to go back to her mother's home. But Ruth, she is not interested in leaving her beloved mother-in-law. And Ruth 1, this is what she says. Do not urge me to abandon you, to turn back after following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so if even death separates me from you. Sounds like a Scandinavian. Dig your heels in. I'm not leaving you. I'm with you. I'm in this all the way to the end. And I'd like to think that something had happened to Ruth. She must have seen the goodness of God in Naomi. She must have longed for that belonging that God gave to all people because she decided she wanted to stay. Stay with Naomi no matter what. I mean, no matter what. She basically is calling on God to knock her down if she walks away from Naomi. This beautiful expression of love is hesed, the act of loving kindness, of mercy, a steadfast love that's not expected. And I know this word hesed feels a little weird, but one of the scholars I read said it this way, hesed is one of the most fundamental characteristics of God. Consistent with what we know about God's covenantal nature, hesed is wrapping itself up in all the positive attributes of God. Love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty, acts of devotion and loving kindness that go way beyond the requirement of duty. This is what Naomi, this is what Ruth is doing. She is throwing caution to the wind. She is making a decision to go with her mother-in-law. Back to Bethlehem. She doesn't know anybody. Naomi's a widow. Who knows what's going to happen? But Ruth is determined to go and be with her. So when they return to Bethlehem, so just think, seven to ten days walking rugged terrain, they come back to Bethlehem, and who knows what they had? 
maybe nothing. But it's the time of the barley harvest, and Ruth knows enough that she can go out and glean and pick from the edges of fields to provide for them. So she doesn't just do it. She asks Naomi for permission. I can almost see her. Mother, may I go? May I go and get grain for us? And Naomi says yes. And by God's providence, because God is always at work in the world, Ruth ends up in the field of Boaz, who happens to be a relative of Naomi's husband. Ruth and Naomi have this brief, excuse me, Ruth and Boaz have this brief encounter, and he invites her to stay and work in his fields, to glean behind the women and work behind the workers, that he would offer protection for her and food and beverage while she is working. And Ruth is surprised because she knows that she's a foreigner. She's an immigrant. She's from Moab. And in chapter 2, verse 10, this is our reading, Ruth bowed down face to the ground and says, How is it I found favor in your eyes? How is it that you've noticed me? And Boaz responds, I've seen and heard all that you've done. I've seen how you have loved your mother. I see that you have left everything behind so that you could be with her, that you could walk with her on this journey, that you have put her God in front of your God, the God of Moab. I love this because Boaz didn't have to stop and acknowledge that. She was just a foreigner in his fields. But he stopped and he recognized that God was at work. Something was going on here. And he chose to honor her in that. See, the Bible is real clear. The blessing of God is for all people, not just the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people of Israel that we now know of as the Jewish folks. The Bible was clear that the people of Israel were supposed to be a blessing to others. And in Genesis 12, we hear God talking to Abraham. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I, God, will make you, Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, the people of God, the people who were living in Israel, it was their job to bless other people. And here we see Ruth, a foreigner, blessing Ruth, blessing Naomi, and Boaz is recognizing that. He is seeing how her love and her care and concern is providing a way for Naomi. One of the books I've been reading this week uses it this way. God uses Ruth's characteristics of diligence and loyalty to provide her and Naomi. God works through Ruth's godly attitude and through her descendants. So I believe that the book of Ruth is in the Bible for us to see and recognize that we can learn from anyone. See, God has created us all. We, as humans, are all made in God's image. 
And so God uses all of us to do what God wants to do in the world. So whether we are from a church context, whether we bump into people on the street, we should be expecting that God is at work, that God is going to use people around us. So when my daughter Katie was in first grade, she changed schools between kindergarten and first grade. So we were a little anxious about her finding friends. And eventually, she started talking about tests. This girl tests at school. Tess was new that same year, too. So they got to be friends, and we kept wondering about Tess and her family. And eventually, we got a family invite to meet Tess and her family at the park. I was a little nervous. Because, again, we were new. We lived in Portland, for, had just been there for two years. This was a new school, a new neighborhood, and we were meeting Tess's parents. And her mom was a doctor. And her dad was an artist. And that was like not at all my upbringing. And I grew up with two teachers as parents. My husband's father was a pastor. I was working in a church. I was a little apprehensive about this. But I took a big breath and off we went, tried to be curious about meeting this new family. Well, they were so lovely. And they just scooped Katie up and just loved her and just we're always willing to have her for a play date. Tess was always welcome at our house, but I started seminary while Katie was in elementary school. And I could call Shannon and say, hey, could, you, could Katie come home with Tess after school? Because I have this thing going on. And they were always willing to just scoop her up and love her and in turn love us. Now, did we talk about who God was? Eh, a little bit. They knew that I worked at a church. They knew I was going to seminary. But I don't believe that they had a personal relationship with God. But God used them to demonstrate unconditional love to us at times when we needed it. And to this day, I could call Tessa's mom and dad and say, hey, Katie's coming to Portland. Can she stay with you? Yep. We've been able to maintain this relationship. So God used somebody outside of what I would normally think of people who understand who God is, and they behaved in this way of loving kindness towards us. So Boaz sees that Ruth, this foreigner, this outsider, is loving Naomi, is providing for her, and he blesses her for it. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. Boaz is calling out that he's seeing God at work in Ruth. And it's making all the difference in the world. See, Naomi came back from that land without her husband, without her sons, and she was depressed. She thought God had left her. She thought God was done with her. But through Ruth's love and care and devotion, she began to have hope as well. At the end of the book of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz end up getting married. Boaz becomes a redeemer of sorts for their family. And eventually, Boaz and Ruth have a son. And at the end of the book, it says, They called him Obed, 
He became Jesse's father and David's grandfather. David being King David, who then falls into the line of Jesus. So here's this woman, Ruth, a foreigner, one from the outside, who exemplifies Hesed, the amazing loving kindness, the covenantal faithfulness that we really only see in God. This is expressed in her life. And God's rich reward for her is that she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. When you look at the genealogy of Jesus, which is the first chapter of Matthew, it's one of those really long lists of names. There are a lot of people who are foreigners, who are like Ruth, who are from the outside, or what looks to be the outside. Because, see, God uses all people, all people, to further God's plans. God redeems and works purposes that he wants to have happen through those all around us. None of us are disqualified from being used by God. So as we strive to see differently, my challenge to you is that you look at people through the eyes of Boaz, who saw this young woman who was different, yet she was exemplifying who God was. You think about the people in your world who you think are a little different or a little off. I'd encourage you to stop and be curious and ask questions and get to know them. Because God uses all people and all things to draw us closer to God. Don't be surprised who God puts in your path. You may run into someone at the store this week and they may offer you a kind word. Accept it. Bless them. And thank God for how God continues to use everyone in the world around us. Pray with me. Lord, when we see people or experience people who are different from us, God, sometimes our first inclination is to hold back. God, I pray that you would encourage us to lean in to the people you put into our path, that you would help us see that differences are not bad, that you would remind us that, God, you use all people in all circumstances to draw us closer to you, that, God, maybe that neighbor who drives us crazy is helping us learn patience. Help us to see them through your eyes, through your love and your grace. And God, just uh, continue to bless us as we go. Help us be the blessing to the world that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a pleasure to see all of you here this morning, Sunday mornings when we have our regular gathering of our faith community here. My name is Dave Tidball. Most of you know that. I'm a longtime staff person here in music, uh, retired in August. Um, but Jason is, uh, Jason is doing something a little bit different for us. He is doing a pulpit swap thing today. And so he's not here doing what he usually does, welcoming you here. And he asked if I would do that. And I said, yes, of course, I'd be happy to. Um, 
So he's swapping places with Jen Spicklemeyer, who is a good friend of his and is the uh, pastor at the Osseo Congregation of the United Methodist Church. And she will be bringing our message this morning. We're very glad to have her here. Um, you'll notice when she gets up to speak that she needed a chauffeur this morning to get her here. And we're very glad to have her daughter, Katie, here as well in that role as um, chauffeur. Um, while we're doing a little bit of the ritual that we normally do here at the beginning, getting ourselves gathered together with some announcements, um, you will probably find some attendance pads in the pews. Um, pews, those are chairs, aren't they? Anyway, um, please pass them around and, and sign them if you wouldn't mind. It's one of the ways that we keep track of our congregation and um, find ways to be in support of each other. Um, we're doing that now rather than at another time in the service for reasons I will explain in a moment. Um, now, as part of this opening here, we have just a few of what we usually call announcements to give, but I like to think of them as ways our community stays connected with each other and the ways that we think about how we fulfill the mission that we have here for ourselves. Um, because there are a number of things going on. You have probably seen announcements about these um, in the newsletter, that you, the email newsletter that you may get on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, depending on when Jason gets around to sending it out. Um, if you are not on the email list to get those newsletters and you'd like to be, the thing to do is to send an email either to Jason at PCUMC.com or to Gene, uh, our administrative assistant, at PCUMC.com and let them know that you want to be on that email list so you get all of this information. Um, so this afternoon, there's a Super Bowl party here at the church. And you can show up anytime after 5 p.m. if you want, bring something to share. Um, Jason says there's going to be two rooms because we have two projectors. So Pioneer Hall is going to be the room for the people who are real football fanatics and would be upset with you if you said anything that was not football related in their presence. And the other room in Fellowship Hall, probably where the food will be, um, is for the rest of the folks who like to hang on to things like that. They like to be involved, but aren't quite that in touch with the football game. On Tuesday, then the following Tuesday, which is Valentine's Day, um, our life group is having um, a Valentine's Day tea at 2 p.m. Um, life is a group that got started quite some time ago. It's an acronym, stands for Living in Full Effectiveness. The things happen during the day, which usually precludes folks who have regular work time jobs. It started out as a folk uh, thing for group people who are retired and things. But the T is um, going, uh, the program's going to be our choir director, Laura Clapp, singing some uh, love song things. She's got a lovely voice. I think if you are able to be there, you'd really enjoy that. And then they're going to take an offering for. Um, the Emma Norton uh, residents as well, the Emma Norton programs with 
working with folks who have housing challenges and things like that. Um, and that's mostly a matter of bringing things that would be useful to those, those folks. Um, Jason also wants to make sure that we keep mentioning the podcast that he has started now. All of the messages that we experience here on Sunday mornings are now in a podcast form. Um, you can access that through the website. They're recorded on Sunday mornings and when Jason gets them up on the podcast. Um, if you want to check back in with it or if you missed a week prior or something and want to get caught up, that's an easy way to do that. Um, we've also started a what, what Jason's calling peace prayers, which is a way publicly for you to make known in the community concerns you have about um, various topics or people. Um, these are things that are publicly shared with everybody in the community. Sometimes there are prayer concerns that you don't want shared that widely. We do have a prayer chain for that. Um, but this is another thing that you can check um, through the um, Tuesday emails and things as well. Next, next Sunday on the 19th, there's also a great deal of stuff going on. We have our regular family game night then. Um, these start at five o'clock. There's a whole variety of activities to do. People usually bring a gift or a, gift, a dish to share. The, there's a meal served. After that, our regular youth programming, our encore programming is happening. And there's also a book discussion that's going to take place um, after the um, game, or at, at the end of the game night stuff too. Uh, Ibram X. Kindy um, wrote a book about being an anti-racist. Um, some of us have been involved in a book study in the fall and have already um, had some conversation about that. Jason has put together a really nice summary of the main themes of the book that is available on the website if you would want to catch up with it so you know kind of what's going on. But the hope is to get a whole group of folks together to talk about the issues that Candy raises in that, in that book um, that might be pertinent to us today. Um, finally, something that um, I think Jason forgot about, but at any rate, he didn't make a slide about. There are um, a number of people in our faith community here who have been working on trying to put together a free library. You've seen the little free libraries um, in communities that our church would sponsor here, out here on the road. And um, there's a working group that's gotten together to try to figure out how that's gonna happen, what's going to be in it and things. And the group that's been working on it wants to make sure that you know that it's open to anybody who's interested in participating. They're having a meeting this coming Thursday at 5.30 in the afternoon, the evening, and would welcome your participation if you chose to be a part of that. So hear these words from the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May God's presence shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God's presence be with you and give you peace. So go today and be the peace that the world needs. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.